Hey, good evening and welcome to the Chase the Vase podcast. I'm your host, Brock Bevel. I am here with Matt Capaluto. Are, are you from Arizona, Matt? You're, I'm not. I'm at California. California. I, know, I know your daughter was going to school here, and uh, we're going to get into that here in a second. But anytime we start these podcasts on, on the Chase the Vase, we love to, to thank those first responders who are out there, whether you're any color uniform you got, thank you for your service and your time and, and what you do for us. And Matt, number one, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. I, I know that this is a, a crappy topic, a topic that's uh, near and dear to your heart, and there's not enough being done about it. And so, number one, thank you for just coming on and being willing to share your daughter's story and to share the story of what's really happening in America and what you're seeing it. I'm excited because you're going to hear a little bit of what Arizona's going through. We get to hear what is going on in California. So let's uh, let's just dive into it. I, I, I pulled an article for, about you, and I want to read the first little part. And this, I did not know this. And it says, Matt Capaluto never imagined he would be where he is today on the front lines of an epidemic far deadlier than the Afghan war, the Iraq war, the Chinese coronavirus, and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I had no idea. I mean, I know fentanyl is dangerous. I know the drug wars and epidemic is crazy, but I had no idea that it was that potent. And just when you see it in those numbers, it kind of changes the narrative. Absolutely. You know, uh, here in America right now, fentanyl is the number one killer of Americans aged 13 to 50. You know, if I went out and stood on a street corner and asked 100 people that question, what's the number one killer of Americans aged 13 to 50? I bet not one person would get it right. Uh, you know, I, I, I say, you know, we're under a chemical warfare attack right now. And and I'll touch on my daughter's story in a moment here. But, you know, I also like to say my daughter is a casualty of a war not being fought with guns and bullets, but a weapon of mass destruction. And that weapon of mass destruction is fentanyl. Man. So do you, I mean, as much awareness as that we are trying to bring in, I mean, I, the media is not touching it. I, I never see anything in the media. I know there are some senators, some congressmen that are trying to raise, raise some flags, but we're not hearing anything about it. Why? I, I think it's uh, uh, it's it's still brushed under the rug of a drug problem, a drug addiction issue, and there's no doubt this affects those uh, who are using drugs and those who are addicted to drugs. But we have to look at this as a national security threat. Uh, I, I don't think we can come at it from a, a drug problem, a health problem. Um, we need to see this for what it is, and it, and it's a national security threat. I mean, these are these are potent man-made. Man specifically made to get people addicted, drugs that are being flood that are flooding into our country, made by you know a sworn enemy, China. Yeah, uh, let's and, be real. Uh, yeah, there, there's yeah, let's there, there's no doubt about it that this um, needs to be looked at differently, uh, and we're never going to get ahead of it if it's okay. Not. So, I'm glad you said that. So, last week, well, the last three weeks. I've been working on a house bill in in Colorado, the fentanyl, and regarding fentanyl. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to pass laws. And 
I listened to hours and hours and hours of testimony going back with the the prosecutors and all of them and sending them messages left and right and talking about this. And the underlying issue that I have now, I'm a retired police officer, so I'm getting it from an, from an addict perspective, from an undercover cop who used to sell and buy drugs, and from a father. And the problem I'm seeing is you're absolutely right in the fact that if we are now talking about putting laws against fentanyl, you're too damn late. It's like it's like when you're a parent, you're like, okay, you know what? I probably should have that talk about sex with my kids. You're late. They've already learned it. They're already involved in that stuff. And it's like we're just behind. They're trying to. Um, change some laws with fentanyl. They're not even talking about the precursors and all this stuff that's coming up. That all they're going to do is change change little components of the of the fentanyl, and then we have something totally different that's not based under the law or protected under the law. And so, I'm just like my my heart goes out to these lawmakers. My heart goes out because we are so man, we're we're so far behind. We are. We're only at the very beginning of. Uh of this of this problem and i i feel terrible for the youth that are that are you know uh being brought up today they're gonna face you know challenges that we never had to deal with and this is a challenge like no other and uh um, we've got to figure something out so when, when you say that that makes me it makes me think about all the children who are losing parents to this fentanyl epidemic and, you know, like we have this coronavirus uh, age group now, but they're also this fentanyl age group where their moms and dads are, are passing away. There's one parent in the home left, you know, and, and it's really scary. So if you don't mind, um, Matt, can you talk a little bit about your daughter, Alexandra? I know it's kind of personal. Uh, she was an ASU student right down the road from where I grew up, 10 minutes from my house today. Uh, share with us a little bit. Uh, you know, Alex, um, my daughter, uh, I, I won't kid you, um, um, and I'm not ashamed to say it in any way, she suffered from depression. She suffered from anxiety, insomnia, but uh, she was diagnosed um, with what's called massive uh, depression disorder when she was a young teenager. Um, we got her uh, we got her help. We she went to therapy and and, and all of that. And for the most part, uh, anybody on the outside would never know she had any issues. But she had internal struggles. Um, we tried to you know bring her up in a, as normal of an environment as possible. She played sports. She did extracurricular activities. My daughter was also very bright. Her IQ was off the chart. And uh, you know with that, she got into ASU on a full academic scholarship. Um, very bright young lady, and uh, but she was also very empathetic. And uh, I can I can say this: if if you told her something was hurting you, it hurt her ten times worse. That's just the way she was. She always brought everybody else's weight onto herself. Um, but uh, um, you know, she when she went when she left California to go to school in uh, Arizona, we thought this was a good thing. She had actually stopped taking her meds, which we were kind of, and she, you know, cause you know, these meds, these antidepressants, they, they solve one problem, but they cause another. And, and she didn't like the way they made her feel. So we thought it was kind of good that she wasn't going to 
wasn't taking those anymore. And, um, and sorry if I'm being long winded here, right. but, uh, she, um, she was doing fine in school. Everything was good. And all we know is, uh, she was at home on Christmas break in 2019, uh, the day of December 22nd, she spent the whole day Christmas shopping with my wife. They had a great day together doing the girl thing, going to the mall and shopping and, and for Christmas and, and that night, I remember coming home from work. Uh, she came in and showed me some gifts that she bought for her siblings for Christmas. You know, she's one of four, four sisters, and uh, uh, everything was everything was normal. And um, I got up the next morning, went to work, and just as I was pulling in my driveway at my shop, I got a call from my youngest daughter, Sky, and and she simply said, "Dad, get home. Alex is dead." Oh. And, uh, yeah, um, in a, in a moment, um, it just complete utter shock. So, uh, I came home as fast as I could. There was me medics in our driveway, sheriff's car out front. My wife comes out and sees me as I, you know, come running in the house and, um, her room door was shut that, uh, law enforcement um, person that was there wouldn't let us in her room. Mm -hmm. And just after a very short period of time, he, um, sat my wife and I down on her couch and said, I'm sorry, but your daughter died of a drug overdose and she shouldn't have been doing drugs. Uh, here's my card and good luck. And that was it. Man. Now, how, how did it. he know at that point it was a drug overdose? Well, uh, you know, I'll say this and things have completely changed here in Riverside County. In fact, our county here in Riverside is, is leading the way in, in, in uh, prosecutions and, and murder charges now in a state that's very difficult. But um, I don't think he did a, a proper investigation. I know he didn't. It was just ruled accidental overdose, marked non-criminal. And... No, no, I don't mean to interrupt you, but was that yeah. because I'm a police officer and my head's going here and I've been in these yep. scenes before. I understand what the rooms yep. look like and and all of that. But this this was not a drug addict. I mean, that, that's what I want people to understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're not talking about someone that's been uh, this has been a lifeline of, of drugs and alcohol. And there's been all of these different things. She was a model student. Um, but w what's interesting is you said she struggled with depression and that's that's common. I mean, who's not struggling yeah. right now with depression, right? Right, right. So I, I learned uh, pretty quickly uh, about fentanyl. He, he mentioned uh, fentanyl. I didn't know anything about fentanyl at the time. Um, I, uh, soon after that, I saw an article about these counterfeit pills. And um, uh, to be honest with you, um, my daughter didn't have a car at the time, so I thought she had to have brought this from Arizona with her. She had only been home a day or two. She didn't go anywhere other than with my wife to the mall Christmas shopping. And um, so when I went to, my wife and I had to go to her college dorm to clean out her her belongings a couple weeks later. And I made it my mission. I said, I'm going to find out who this drug dealer is. Now, now, and I kid you not. Now, hold that, hold that, because I want to know. How did, I mean, just going to the scene, was there, was there like signs and symptoms why, why did he rule in an overdose without even doing an autopsy, a blood test, toxicology, nothing? He just ruled it that. How does that happen, non-criminal? Um, I don't think at the time our law enforcement was trained on how to properly assess these cases. Was there a pill in the room or what, what gave it away? 
So he found half a okay. pill uh, uh, on her dresser, uh, which led him to believe. Um, and what we what we know, she she consumed half a pill, and that's what killed Matt, her. A half a pill. Yeah, yeah. So I hope, so, I hope parents are peeking up right now. I hope they're paying attention because this is absolutely crazy. And so, go go ahead because I interrupted you. I apologize, but I just got to wrap my head around how they're how they made that conclusion. And so, you know, when we went to uh, back to Arizona to go through and clean out her college apartment, um, you know, I literally went knocking on doors. I, I thought I was going to find out who and I was asking. I was pretending I wanted to buy drugs and I was going to find out who this drug dealer was. And I didn't have any success there. Um, and it was soon after we got back that we were finally able to get into her phone. And, you know, that's the number one thing that these uh, law enforcement officers do these days when they show up on one of these scenes. They go to the phone, especially when a young person is involved. 99 out of 100 times, you're going to find the drug, the drug transaction on, a on the person's phone. But that wasn't done in our case. We got into the phone finally, and we saw the correspondence with my daughter and the drug dealer on Snapchat. And uh, um, which is interesting, you know, Snapchat, usually the information goes away. Yeah. So the uh, one of the two parties has to hit, a, you know, basically make it go away. And and he did not do that at the time. So we were actually able to find his uh, identity, um, whatever his Snapchat ID or whatever you call that is uh, pretty quickly. Once um, once I found that out, I, I called the sheriff's department back. And I said, you know, you guys, you need to treat this a little differently. This is this is criminal. Did they wake? Did and, they wake up to it? Were they like, okay, we need to do something? Yeah. So how? Yeah. So let me ask you this: on those Snapchats, was I mean, from a parent, I, I'm talking from a parent here, and and since you've seen these messages, were they cryptic or were they just like, hey, you want to buy some some pills? I mean, how how can just a regular parent see this and notice it? Yeah, well, now they're getting, you know, keep in mind, this was back in 2019. Um, they're getting, they're getting a little more savvy now. Um, they're, you know, they're using emojis and signs and so forth. But one of the things I'll recommend, I wish I had done this. Uh, uh, parents can get child monitoring software on their kids' cell phones. And any parent, especially who's getting, I don't know what the proper age is to give a kid a cell phone these days. You know, I, I understand there's, you know, you can't really live without them and they're good for emergencies and so forth. But right from the get go, you any parent should put child monitoring software on their kid's phone and that will alert the parent. You know, there's a couple of them that I'm aware of, BARC, which is an acronym for something. That's one of the leading ones. You know, anytime any certain keywords pop up on your child's phone, or if your child is searching uh, something, you're going to get a notification immediately. And that's going to trigger you to go, you know, check on your child, see what, nice. see what they're up to. Awesome information, and, Matt. Matt, yeah. when yeah. you went through her phone, were there other transactions or did it look like this was a one-time deal? Um, this was a uh, – with this particular drug dealer, she didn't know him. There was no history of them. Uh, um, she – I, I can't – I got to be careful sure, here. Please. We, have yes. a tri we have a trial pending. You know, he's since been arrested. I was going to say, you, so you furthered this investigation. Is it is it a federal, yeah. federal case right now? 
Yeah. So, so let me, um, so let me touch on everything and I'll, I'll try to make it semi quick and leave out a lot of the details. Um, once we got into her phone, I, I was, I was balls out doing anything and everything I could. I wrote a letter to our head district attorney, Mike Hestron. I wrote a letter to our head sheriff, Chad Bianco. Um, they both, uh, I met with both of them. I laid this out in a, in a new light for them to see. And, and I, I told them, you know, my daughter did not die of a drug overdose. She was poisoned and overdose is the wrong word for this, for this death. Now, when, when you say and, that, Matt, you're saying that because if you're taking a human and we are taking an, an opioid pill, which she thought what she was getting, correct? My daughter thought she was getting oxycodone. So oxycodone. So and, you take that, man. You're gonna. I mean, you may not even feel an effect from one pill, right? So you, I, I really think she was just trying to get a good night's sleep. Uh, she took this. Uh, we know um, she took this sometime in the evening before going to bed, and uh, it wasn't like she was out at a party or anything like that. I think she took half. Was probably assuming she could take the other half on another night when she's restless or you know having a hard time falling asleep. And that was it. She, uh, um, and it was so potent. Um, there was such a high amount of fentanyl. Uh, it didn't even have time to metabolize in her system. Uh, they said she died very quickly. Um, and that's the luck of the draw with these pills. You get a pill, it's Russian, you know, pill roulette, as some people say. Um, some, some of these pills have enough fentanyl to kill multiple people. Some are duds and you have everything all in between. Matt, can you, you, can you explain it. why? Because it's not a science, right? I mean, I want—I just want you to. So we're talking to parents here, and so a lot of them are like, "What does that mean? Like, how how do you yeah. know?" So, 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 you know, realize it only takes about to kill the average person. Uh, the amount of fentanyl that it takes is only about the size of two two grains of salt. Two or three grains of salt is enough uh, fentanyl to kill uh, the average human. Um, the cartels who are making the bulk of these pills south of our border here, they're not chemists, they're not pharmacists, they're not trained in how to handle this volatile, highly dangerous, you know, uh, man-made chemical. And it's almost like making chocolate chip cookies. They're putting all these ingredients in a batch, stirring it all up. And just like with chocolate chip cookies, one cookie might have this many chocolate chips, this other cookie might have this many. And that's how it is with fentanyl. It's the luck of the draw. You don't know how much you're getting in each one. But the whole goal is, because people often ask me, you know, well, why does a drug dealer want to kill their customer? And the reality is they just want you hooked on fentanyl. Yes. Fentanyl is highly addictive. And if they kill some people along the way, you know, basically they're looked at as collateral damage. They're going to get a lot more people. Hooked. And so, yeah. And, and I want to say this because this is interesting. So they're using pill presses, right? Just like yep. you would in a regular pharmaceutical lab. But they're not yep. measuring these these granules out. They're just kind of tossing them in there, and they're pounding yep. the the press and and just make it as many as they can, and then they're distributing them. Now, yes, what's in Arizona? They're when they're testing for fentanyl, it's about sixty percent pure fentanyl in the pills. That's that's how high it is here in Arizona. And you're saying two granules, like the size of the tip of a pencil can kill you. Yeah, the bulk of the pills are just made with filler garbage. They use anything from, you know, 
baby powder and, and whatever powders that bind things that can bind together to, uh, to make the pill, you know, look like a legitimate pharmaceutical medication. But the active, uh, you know, the only active ingredient is the fentanyl and, and that, and, and, you know, it, it also, people can imagine a little goes a long ways. You're, you're starting to hear every once in a while on the news, authorities seize enough fentanyl to wipe out an entire county and, and so forth. And that's I just heard a DEA agent. Switch. He said it's up a thousand percent from last year at the border. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's at the border, up a thousand percent. So, so they do an investigation on it. This young man that you find out because you have to do the investigation, Matt. The police don't even do it. That kind of, I'm sorry, that kind of pisses me off a little bit. That damn it, we got to do better, right? We got to do better. And it, initially, but but once I was able to meet with our head district attorney and our head sheriff, I, I want to give them credit for this. Um, they listened. Not only did they listen, they they saw this in, in, in a new light that they hadn't seen it before. And they took action. And now here, and we're seeing this all throughout California, and this is starting to snowball in, in other states across our nation. We are seeing law enforcement looking at these cases differently, and they are investigating them. Um, and and the, major, the big problem is for many states is we don't have good state laws to hold these drug dealers accountable. Um, so uh, fast forward two years later, um, uh, because – we don't have good state laws here in California and same there in Arizona as well. My daughter's case was finally handled, handed over to the feds. Um, our federal laws are, are a bit better. And the guy was arrested under the federal charge of distribution of fentanyl resulting in death. And he's being charged and, with murder, correct? Well, the, 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 the death resulting uh, is, can be looked at as a murder charge. Uh, again, uh, distribution of fentanyl, and the enhancement is resulting in death. And uh, if he's found guilty of that, he faces uh, 20 years to life uh, in prison. And um, I, I want to touch on the, the problem with, with many of the state laws. Um, on the state side here in California, you have to prove, in order to hold a drug dealer accountable for, for murder, you have to prove that that drug dealer knew the drugs he, was, he or she was selling could result in somebody's death. That's a very tough burden to actually prove. A valid defense for a drug dealer in California is, hey, I thought this pill was oxy also. I just got it from somebody else. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I want to speak on that for a second because I've heard that before. Matt, I used to sell and buy drugs as an undercover cop. There is one thing that I know for a surety, drug dealers know what's in their products. They yep. know what it's being cut with, what it's being mixed with. They know because it's money. I agree. It's money. There's not a drug dealer today that, that, that doesn't know that fentanyl's uh, in everything. And um, But again, our state law requires the burden. The, the burden. Yeah. So we proposed a law here in California, uh, dubbed Alexandra's Law. It's gone before our California uh, public Sa California Senate Public Safety Committee a couple times now. It's been rejected twice. But our law was pretty simple. If somebody is arrested for selling drugs, they're going to get an admonishment. And that admonishment lets them know that selling drugs is harmful to human life 
if you continue to do so and somebody dies as a result of the drugs you sell them, you can be charged with manslaughter or murder. That admonishment, which is essentially a warning, would be kept on record. Right. Okay. And now they don't have a defense to say they didn't know because we're going to be able to prove, no, we told you on such and such a date, have record of that. Hopefully, we would hope, ideally, it actually works as a strong enough deterrent to get them to stop selling deadly drugs. But if they don't, now we have the evidence that uh, is necessary to lock them up. So, Matt, are you seeing, I I know it hasn't finalized yet, but do you in your mind think it's going to shift? Do you think somebody is going to get this like light bulb going off and say, wait a minute, they warned me, I better stop? Or do you feel, this is this is opinion here, um, that the cartel just has such a hold a, of their people that the dude is just going to keep doing it because the money is so much greater than the risk? I, I think, um, so here in California, that same exact admonishment is how we handle uh, people convicted of driving under DUI, the influence yes. of alcohol. Okay, and I can say this, when we pass this legislation here in California, um, uh, within the year or two after it was passed, where where a person arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol was given a similar admonishment, we saw DUI fatalities literally cut in half. Okay, is it going to get everybody, every single drug dealer to stop selling drugs? No. But will it get a lot of them? Yes. I... I, I see where your head's at totally, and I agree with you. I'm just looking at, we call them bottom feeders, right? The guys that were low-level drug dealers, they're the ones that we're going we're gonna to hit. They're the ones we're going to be able to slow down and stop. For example, the one probably that sold to your daughter, probably not a, not a large drug dealer. But these guys carrying 50,000 pills, they're crossing the border with them. Or I, it just blows me away that we're citing and releasing these guys that tomorrow morning they get bonded out and they're out. I, I want to say something because I, I think there's a misconception here. You know, that, that, you know, sometimes law enforcement will, you know, will say, uh, you know, they, they don't even bother going after the low end guy. They want to get the person above them. But from everything that I've researched, we don't even lock up the low end guys. All right. Um, Thank you. So uh, I, I don't like this notion of we're never going to arrest our way out of this problem. That might bear some truth. But the reality is, how do we actually know that? Because we've never done it. You know, the um, we had a hundred mm. uh, over a hundred thousand drug deaths, the majority of them fentanyl. And of those hundred plus thousand drug deaths, how many drug dealers do you actually think were convicted of murder charges? It's minuscule. It's minuscule. Convicted of murder charges. I'm saying 1%. At, at best. Yeah. At best. So, okay, let's shift just a hair. Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing all of this money going to the Ukraine war. Billions of dollars going overseas to fight a war that we're not even involved in that we promised we weren't even going to get involved in. We weren't going to meddle in it at all. Yet, on a daily basis, we have a pandemic. We have we, whatever you want to call it here in the States, where we have 
men and women dying in our homes and we're not putting any resources, the police department, they're stretched so thin, the government, the, the military, I mean, we're stretching. My question is, why are we not protecting and spending money on this problem? You know, that that's an excellent question. I wish I had, you know, to, to you and I, you know, it, it makes sense that we should be. Why we're not, I have no, you know, when that, when uh, uh, the Ukraine war broke out, within days, we had hard hitting sanctions on Russia. Companies pulling out of doing business with Russia. You know, um, I'll bring up uh, back when this, when our current president was elected, within the first few weeks, he met with the president of China. I was waiting to hear fentanyl brought up, not brought up once. We're doing nothing to hold China or Mexico accountable. And they're the ones that, you know, we got... They're producing and sourcing the stuff that's killing so many, nearly 300 Americans a day at this point, and we're doing nothing. So, so I look, I look at it this way. If we had a jumbo jet plane fall out of the sky full of 300 people a day, someone's pissed off. The FAA, the government, the people were mad. Now we don't want to fly. There's going to be sanctions. We're going to start checking the jets. We're going to start doing a better job. We're losing a jumbo jet a day in people. I think a lot of that, uh, why it's, it's, um, it's just not getting that, 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 that empathy that we need from the general public. I think um, the perception is, is oh, these are people taking drugs it's their fault. And, mm. you know, the, the best way I can explain it is, you know, kids are dying because they're making decisions that are no different than most of us made when we were Ooh. young. It's just that fentanyl wasn't around. You might have tried weed. You might have, you know, if you're really daring, you might have done cocaine at a young age. But, you know, no different than that. But now they're trying something and they're dying. And, uh, you know, it's a little cliche at this point, but, you know, you may have heard kids are supposed to learn from their mistakes, not die from them. You know, now they're dying from them. And uh, uh, I'm going to say this. Um, I used to not say this because I didn't want to give anybody any ideas. Now I feel like I'm warning people. I believe we're going to finally see some sort of federal response. And mark my words, this is coming. When fentanyl is used in some kind of act of terrorism and it kills a non-drug user. Man. That's going to happen. Okay. Well, I it, it fit, I mean your daughter was a non-drug user. I mean, I I, I um, look at I look at it like that. I mean, I, I maybe I'm splitting hairs here, Matt, but I know what drug dealers look like. I've, I've I've bought and sold with them. I work with them on a daily basis. Like, does that make sense? A drug a drug dealer, a drug user is not going to college, not trying to have a family, not trying to be supportive. Like, that's not what we're doing. That's not what they're doing. And so I I I believe we're even on that we're missing the dang boat, right? I mean, I just read a story. I, I even heard the story when I was working with Colorado where a gentleman hurt his back at work, 
went to the hospital, could not get treatment. Goes to his best buddy, he, but, he, but he's a breadwinner. He's got to make money, man. He's got to go to work to support his family. Can't be laid up. So he asked his best buddy, hey, can you get me some a hydrocodone or oxy, whatever it was, so I could sleep through the night? His buddy's like, yeah, he gives him 20 bucks. That $20 pill killed him. That guy is not a drug user. He's not he's not an addict. Dude, that is what's pissing me off is we're saying that like your daughter and these other people that are trying are addicted to drugs. No, they're not. It's a poison and 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 that's a huge that's where we have to become a little bit educated. Yes. Um you're absolutely right, but but I I also I don't like to separate the two because whether uh, somebody is an addict or not doesn't really matter because if an addict dies from this, they've just been robbed of their opportunity to get better. And there's plenty of people that live with addiction, you know, um, so, you know, really, in my mind, addiction shouldn't even come into play. Um, people are just in. You understand yeah, what I'm you, saying? But, but it does because that's where we're splitting hairs. Like, okay, a dick, is it a choice or is it a disease? It's like, listen, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I, I do know this. Anybody, I, I believe, and you might be able to shed more light on this than myself, but, you know, somebody who's seeking drugs, um, you know, they're not necessarily in the right state of mind, whether it's depression, um, or, or so forth. And, and you have drug dealers today who are taking advantage of that and um, uh, to not hold them accountable and to put that blunt, you know, there's a whole other side that, that wants to legalize drugs and, and make these drugs give easier access. You know, if we, if we go, we sort of saw that happen before. That's what got us into this yeah. mess. When you had Purdue Pharma and doctors over prescribing legitimate oxycodone, we had plenty of deaths also because you had people legitimately getting hooked on this stuff. Matt, that's what happened to me. I, yes, I walk exactly. in, I'm a police officer, injured at work, and my doctor looks at me and goes, you'll never get hooked on these things. I'm like, okay, carb launch, right? I mean, if he tells me I can't get hooked, how am I going to get hooked? So there's no difference if I take four pills, eight pills, or one pill. I'm not getting addicted to it. Ten years later, oh, crap. Right. And now these people want to go right back to that same situation. Didn't we learn from that? No. Obviously not. So let's pivot. Some let's us. let's pivot. I know I know you're a busy man, but I, I can't I can't hang up with you without asking you about your opinion on the border. And and I'm I'm scared to death. I know here in May, like twenty third or twenty eighth, they're they're talking about opening the border. This title forty two is going away and if you think we have a problem now, just wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I absolutely am, am for securing our borders, uh, not because of drugs alone. You know, all, you know, we don't know who's coming into this country. You know, we're lucky we haven't had another 9-11 type incident. That's a, that's a matter of time, too. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, um, and here is even the, the greater need for strong state laws to be able to go after the, quote, low-end drug dealer. There's already enough fentanyl in America 
to kill this world's population several times over. The truth is, even if we sealed our border today, the amount of fentanyl here is going to cause a magnitude of death for decades to come. Mm. So now we have to give local law enforcement the tools they need to be able to lock up the dealers that are here distributing this in our communities. And uh, uh, many of our states just don't have those those tools. You know, they can they can arrest these guys for dealing drugs, but it's a slap on the wrist. We're treating fentanyl like it's marijuana. Oh. And uh, uh, we can't do that anymore. We need to, to pass stronger laws in our states. Thank God for the feds. The feds are doing what they can. I am, I'm lucky. I'll circle back real quick to my daughter's case and our law that we tried to get passed here in California. Remember, you need to prove the drug dealer knew it was dangerous. At the federal level, the federal statute, it doesn't require that. You don't need to prove the drug dealer knew the drugs could kill. All you need to do is prove that he, sold, he or she sold a controlled substance and that person he or she sold it to died from that controlled substance. So these cases are a little bit easier to prosecute at the federal level. Uh, the problem is really manpower. Our feds don't have the manpower to prosecute all these drug dealers. So we have to have better state laws. So I, I'm for securing our border, but at, at the same time, we need to give our local law enforcement the tools they need to lock up these drug dealers. In essence, w without the tools, uh, we've allowed drug dealers to become serial killers. Mm. Oh, man, I like that. I, I mean, I don't like the fact that that's the truth, but that's that's a deep statement. Uh, you know, uh, the DEA has said that 40% um, of, of the pills they seize contain a lethal amount of fentanyl, so that's 4 in 10. Am I to believe that my daughter was this drug dealer's only customer? You know, of course not. How many lives is he responsible for? He was out, out he, it took two years for him to get arrested. How many more other, how many other lives did he take? He's absolutely a serial killer. Man, when you think about it that way, that's some truth. Matt, I'm amazed, man. Thank you, number one, for your strength. I, I'm, I mean, I'm a dad of daughters too. I, I know the love we have for our children, and and I appreciate the fight, man, that you're in on a daily basis. I really do. Uh, I'm sorry for the death. Um, I, I, you know, there's always you wish there were words to express it, but there's not. But I can tell you that I'm proud of who you, what you're doing. That you, you've taken Thank a you. situation. And you're just like, okay, well, I, I can't change what happened, but I can, I can change the future of what happens to other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to say this in, in closing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of faith, and and I know my daughter's in a better place. I'm in this fight, so other parents don't have to be in my shoes. And that's what I'm doing. Matt, do me a favor. Take a minute and. If you could have a message to the parents that listen to this podcast that have young adults in their home, what or, or anybody in their home, because it doesn't have to be a young adult, what would you tell them? You can't ever believe not my kid. Don't ever believe that. If you can't guarantee that your child will never try one drug one time, you can't guarantee they won't be a victim of fentanyl. Think about when you were a kid, not everybody, but th everybody at least had a friend or friends that did drugs, experimented at the very least, maybe a short period of time, tried something once, went to a party. That's all it takes these days for your child to die. 
have a talk with them, tell them that they, there, there can be no more experimentation, no more uh, thinking something's going to get you high and you're going to wake up fine the next day. You are, it's literally a matter of life and death. And uh, parents need to have these, this talk, uh, you know, today, tonight, um, with their, with their children. You just can't take anything. Matthew, Matt, thank you, man. That was, that was great. I love it. Appreciate your support. If, if I have some listeners that would like to get a hold of you, I know you're, you're doing some big things. How can they reach out to you? So um, uh, I head at an organization called Drug Induced Homicide. We have a website, druginducedhomicide.org. Uh, uh, we're a national charitable foundation. We have uh, uh, groups in every state uh, in the country right now. Um, if, you're a, if you're a parent um, or, or uh, you've lost a loved one to fentanyl, reach out to us. We'll put you in, uh, you know, whatever state group um that you're from will let you connect you with with that group uh support us um we are a nonprofit. we'll gladly uh take you know if you can spare a starbucks one day five dollar ten dollar donation it helps us get our messaging out we are we have been very effective with law enforcement across our country um we still have plenty of work to do but we have been getting them to uh, to start investigating these cases as homicides, uh, our goal is to get every law enforcement agency to investigate every every fentanyl death as a homicide, and uh, any contributions will help us to be able to continue that work. Beautiful said, beautifully said. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'm in. Let me know how we can help out, how we can align ourselves with you guys, and uh, we can just keep pushing the fight for all you parents out there. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Chase to Vase podcast. Till next time, we are out of here.